0: Welcome back everybody to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast episode number 106. It's Monday, June 7th, 2021. Dominic, we're here with another results and recap, this time for UFC Vegas 28. Correct? 28. Correct.
1: We're, there's, there, we're really getting up there now. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're <laughs> I looked back at like some of our really early episodes the other day, and it was like UFC Vegas 5. Yeah. So like, it just sounds ow. weird saying that now. Yeah, I was like, man, I, I didn't realize how far we've come. Right. But since we are starting a new week, how are you doing, my friend? I know you've been having quite a bit of golfing adventures in your uh, in your timeline recently. And, mm. um, you know, we, we haven't got to talk because I, I was, unfortunately, due to some um, technical difficulties – to kind of wrap up last week i was not able to be on friday's episode so how are you doing how are things going
1: i'm good man uh just came out of a golfing Mm -hmm. outing uh, coming into this episode and it kicked my ass again but what's new (laughs) uh went out there had a good time got rained on that's Mm -hmm. that was just quite interesting in itself but uh, it was a good weekend glad to have fights back we had that week Mm -hmm. off so it was good to watch some fights and yeah i didn't get to catch up with you on friday so how you been doing how was your weekend buddy
0: Good. Um, Had a pretty eventful weekend, Saturday especially. Friday didn't do a ton, but Saturday, Friday, I, or Thursday and Friday was simply trying to get technical difficulties fixed. Right. That, was, that was all that went into that, me just cussing up a storm in this <laughs> apartment, being pissed off. Saturday, got two tattoos. Oh, I forgot. So, yeah, so I got both my arms tattooed. And then um, went straight from getting tattooed to a bachelor party. Oh, um, Okay. So, so um, we had like a party bus and things like that. So it was Ooh. really fun, really fun. Shout out to my boy, Trevor, Shout uh, getting, out Trevor. Mar- getting married at the end of July. Um, I will, I will be having a good old time at his wedding <laughs> <laughs> and make it to where he regrets ever putting me in that party. But regardless, it was a good night. Um, definitely feeling the effects today, but you know, we're, we're, it's, it's 1030 now. So, you know, it, yeah. Time to take the training wheels off. Right, yeah. No more. I can't, you know, I can't complain about this hangover any longer. <laughs> the work without... the work week
1: starts today. You but you know? know
0: what I what I realized today and kind of this fever dream of a day I've had. <laughs> okay. So I just bought Peacock recently. The, oh the, the uh, subscription service.
1: They took the office away from me.
0: <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> And, you know, I'm on there, and I'm watching some, like, old Saturday Night Live episodes, um, some old Monday Night Raws, Ooh. like 2000. You know, just, like, kind of our wheelhouse.
1: The good old days. Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, because I don't know if you know, but they have the entire WWE network now.
1: I thought they did some sort of merger. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So I, I didn't realize that when I bought it. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> wow, well, that's nice. Two for one. Yeah, so I uh, whenever I – buy these subscriptions i put it in my notes kind of what day i bought them on so i know yeah when they re-up every month so i'm just kind of you know being a little smarter about when money's going out of my account and stuff um so i go to put it in there and i'm looking at all these apps i have and i'm like okay so i got netflix <laughs> i got hulu yeah i got hbo max yes i got peacock okay i got espn plus that's fine and i have ufc Fight Pass. there you go that's six and I used to have Paramount Plus, but I don't have that anymore. So in your head, you're just looking at all these dollar signs. So, I'm, I'm, re- so I'm like, wait a minute. So this is why I don't have cable. <laughs> but now these price, all of a sudden, it's, about it's the same stuck. damn price. It's about the same damn price. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait, what happened ten years ago? <laughs> yeah. When there was just Netflix. <laughs> Every all all of all all seven of these, Netflix had all of this. This is true. besides. Fights. That's why right UFC fight passes. You can't put a dollar amount. Yeah, that's by itself. Yeah, yeah. But like Netflix had everything, and now it's all split up. Everybody wants to put their hand in the pot. So now you got all these different. And you know yeah. what? I'd I'd be lying if I said they don't hold value. I mean that HBO Max is really cool. Peacock's really cool. Like you don't think they would be, and then you get on there and you're like, man, Peacock's got like the Jurassic Park movies. The Um, what are some other movies they had on there that I really, I think they have the Fast and the Furious movies on there. (laughs) All Um,
1: 17 of them. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know if you're a fan of like meet the parents, meet the Fockers, but I'm a big fan of those. Those are on there. Just a lot of like good movies. And I'm just like, man, like I, I can't believe it. Then you go on HBO and they have all of their original programming, which is some amazing TV shows. And. They're doing a really cool thing where movies go straight. Movies that come out in theaters go straight on HBO Max for a short amount of time. So I got to watch the new Mortal Kombat movie on there um, this summer. I'll get to watch the new Space Jam. Um, actually, right now the new Conjuring's on there.
1: I, I we did it Friday night. <laughs> yeah, we used oh it. yeah yeah.
0: So uh, what, how did that go? Because now now you can you can also partake in the conversation. Hey.
1: I'm a huge scary movie guy. Yes, everyone, this is an MNA, MMA podcast, but give us a second here. <laughs> yes. We're catching up with one another. Uh, yeah. We, I'm a huge scary movie guy. We did watch The Third Conjuring. It was good. Very good storyline. Not quite as scary as the first two, but storyline-wise okay. was good. Yeah.
0: Okay. Don't want to give anything away. My thoughts on The Conjuring movies, I haven't seen the third one yet, but the first one uh, is like a I hold in the high regard. Yes. Uh, so it's a good. Very, pretty much a near perfect modern day horror movie. Yep. Second one, I think is a good sequel. It's a solid kind of follow up. You know, a lot of these horror sequels are pretty bad. Yeah. That's yeah. a big thing about horror movies. When a horror movie makes a profit, it's like studios just start cranking those bad boys out. You get 10 Saw movies. Hundred Jason Friday to thirteenth There's twenty movies. paranormal activities. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and and they all make a profit, but they they all start to kind of suck.
1: Yeah, yeah. Second
0: Conjuring is a good movie. That's all I wanted out of it, so I'm happy with that. Yes. So I just hope the third one does the same.
1: Yeah, check good it out, movie.
0: man. So yeah, I'll probably be checking it out maybe this weekend actually, but uh, I'll give my thoughts on that maybe next, next Monday. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think we're just I think it's gonna wrap up kind of this. Uh, Weird little talk we just... All the
1: fight folks are like, come on, let's go. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, we're going to transition right into the news. The news. We're going to start with our fight announcements as first. Kind of a weird one here, Dom. Yeah. August 21st, and for those of you that are very good with your dates are going, well, wasn't that headlined by uh, Jared Kananier and Paulo Costa? Correct, except now Paulo Costa has dropped out of the fight in hmm. steps, The guy who always steps up for for Paulo Costa, but Kelvin Gastelum. So you got number four versus number nine. Kelvin Gastelum stepping up again in a fight that, like, I mean, it's a dangerous fight for him to take, but a guy that recognizes an opportunity and steps in here. What are your thoughts about Paulo Costa dropping out of this fight and then Kelvin jumping back into the top of the heap? A lot to probably, there's probably a lot of different opinions someone could have about this.
1: Well, for Paulo's case, this is two straight main events that we've lost out on him with. Now, mm-hmm. the last one, I think, was more entry-related. This one seems like kind of a contract dispute going on. He, he's been getting a little funky on Twitter lately. I don't know if anybody's been <laughs> reading his tweets, yeah. but uh, I don't know who's got a hold of it, or maybe it is just him. But he was kind of saying, you know, you got to pay me main event money for me to fight. And then he even put out a specific number. He said, like, 350 k is not enough assuming maybe that's what he was going to get. He said the fight between uh, him and Cannoneer was never even officially signed on his end, so he was unsure why the UFC put it out there. I, I don't know. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes crap going on. Ever since Paulo got into the wine, nothing has been the same. So I don't really know what's going on. What do you think about Paulo? I guess, first as well?
0: Yeah, um, definitely, definitely been getting some weird – Weird interactions, some weird sound bites out of him, kind of lately. Um, really, ever since he lost to Adesanya, just yeah. he's been just kind of doing a lot of weird things, just <laughs> saying a lot of weird things. You know, being like Israel signed the contract for the rematch. It's like what rematch? Right? Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think there's a rematch on the table. Um, and then you have a lot of stuff going on here. Um, mm. I, you know, i'm I'm a man of the I'm a man of the fighter, right? I'm a, right. If they want to say that they're worth more money, if they want to try to get more money, by all means, get that money. Go, yeah, go for it. Um, it just is unfortunate that it kind of came to this where he really wasn't signed on for this main event, and it appears that maybe there was, maybe it was all kind of verbal, like it right. was verbally agreed upon. UFC, maybe this is standard to like put that out, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe it seems like what. Paulo Costa's referring to a lot as these uh, these Paul brothers that are boxing, you yeah. Know, like Tyron Woodley for Jake Paul. Then, actually, as we're recording this, uh, the going other on. brother is fighting Floyd Mayweather. With madness, yeah. But, um, <laughs> they're making really big money, yeah, doing it. I mean, even in, for Jake and Tyron Woodley's case, Tyron Woodley's making. He Tyron even said it might be the biggest purse of his entire career, which is kind of crazy for a guy who was a five-time champion. Yeah. Future However, yeah. So because of that, I think that's where a lot of Paulo Costa's frustrations coming from that he's like, we, why are we not being paid like these YouTube boxers? And I agree with you. Right. I just don't know if really I, and people might disagree with me on this. I don't know if the UFC should really be the people you're upset about here. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should be more upset at the consumers. Cause mm-hmm. trust me, I get it. I ain't happy about this this YouTube boxing stuff either. We but, yeah, but I recognize that it's if if people are gonna buy it, then it's gonna continue. And the money's there, so so if people and people are obviously buying it, so yep. that's on them. Very true. So <laughs> I, like I don't know. Point. I feel I feel for Paulo here. I really do, because um, it just it's not gonna help his reputation at all. And I'm so and ready to see him
1: back in there. Yeah,
0: I'm ready to see him get back in there because he's so good, so talented, and uh, it just doesn't help for a guy in his prime like he is to just yeah. be taking this much time off. But this—I wonder if this is going to become a reoccurring trend. I know we like to keep things positive on here, Dom, so I don't want to harp <clears> too much <throat> on it. But you know, now that the you know now that you see kind of a lot of shots being taken at the UFC over their fighter pay, and that always, that's always been a thing,
1: yeah. But now
0: it's being highlighted with these big fights on the boxing side and they're really kind of, and now these MMA fighters are going to make a big check in boxing. Right. You're starting to see more guys speak out like this. I wonder if this is going to become a problem for the UFC in the future, but um, I guess for Kelvin, unless you want to, did you want to comment on that?
1: No comment as of now. It's just going to hopefully not become a recurring thing, but it's not going to be the last time it's talked about on this show.
0: So Kelvin Gastelum, however, stepping in. Um, what a beast! Yeah, that's all I can really say. I do Not here.
1: love this guy.
0: I love Kelvin. Honestly, Kelvin Gastelum, ever since the Adesanya fight, is just everything. This guy's done has just made me a bigger fan. Win of or him. lose,
1: too, you know. Yeah,
0: and you know this. Honestly, if he loses this fight, I mean, he. This is not just a. You know, a lot of times when guys step in, on um, this isn't really. I would not know. I mean, it's kind of short notice, but like, eh, I mean, you're still a month He's got and a half out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but when these guys step in, like replacement fighters, um, you know, a lot of times they have nothing to lose. I would argue that Kelvin Gastelum still has quite a bit to lose here. I mean, this is a guy that's only won one of, out of his last four fights. Yeah, true. And he coming off a loss to Robert Whitaker again, a really tough fight. Stepping in on late notice or short notice in that one, stepping up here to replace Paulo Costa. Um, I think this is a win- more winnable fight for Kelvin. In a Jared Cannoneer,
1: yeah, I um, agree.
0: But if he loses, I think it's just as dangerous for his career, man. That'd be one out of the last five. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know. What do you What do you think?
1: I think. Well, I mean, stylistically, like you said I think it is a better matchup um, for Kelvin, being that it is Cannoneer. They're both kind of similar in ways that they're good kind of everywhere, but not great in any specific area. Mm-hmm. I expect it to be a pretty five-round stand-up, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, but for Kelvin, like you said, in the terms of the status, status of his career, a win here would be massive. And the only thing that would help him if he were to lose again, because, again, like like you said, one out of the last five if he loses, but he's always a guy that the UFC can rely on, and he's always in these great fights, seemingly – and they're usually at least competitive and close. That's the only thing helping his case, but no matter what on your record and the number next to your name, when you keep losing fights, that's not going to help. So I am excited. It's good for him to have more time for this one than he did when he took Roberts Whitaker, uh, main event on short notice, a better fight stylistically for him as well. Like you mentioned, I'm looking forward to it. Good for Kelvin for just stepping up no
0: matter what. Yeah. I'm very excited for this fight. Really am. And, um, You know, Jared Cannonier. we haven't seen him since his loss to also Robert Waker. Uh, That's going to be coming close on a year for him as well, and he's not getting any younger. He's like 35, 36 now. Yeah, he's older. So so, um, I think there's a lot of variables in this fight. I'm very excited for that.
1: 100%.
0: Following that up, we have uh, just the date being shifted around. Yeah, Uh, another little middleweight tournament. Yeah. So number five, Derek Brunson, and number seven, Darren Till. This was originally going to happen August 14th, a week before. Um, Costa Cannoneer, now Gastelum Cannoneer. Uh, that's now being pushed back to September 4th. The reason for that is because mm. they are targeting this one to headline in London, England. Yeah. Obviously, Darren Till, a huge marketable guy in that region. Um, so Dom gotta wonder is this kind of the, is this where they're targeting the start of putting uh people back in the stands for fight nights you know that's been a, something that Dana's not really commented much on he, he mm-hmm. kind of he kind of even pointed to the opposite he said that yeah. they didn't budget for it this year so they were like they didn't see any reason to risk it but here maybe this will be a one-off for a while or is this gonna True. be the start of something new what do you think
1: well oh, I'd love if it's the start of something because <laughs> Hey, Ohio's open up now. We're we're waiting on one to come back. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Dana exactly. owes this one from last year, man. But uh, <laughs> it's exciting. One for Darren Till. I mean, obviously, he's already fought in front of his home crowd once, and you saw how nuts that place went when he <laughs> came out to Sweet Caroline. Yeah, if you guys okay. can,
0: if you guys could watch that walkout, please. Oh do. my gosh! That one walkout, of the best ever, breathtaking.
1: Mm. And he won that fight there, of course. Uh, And then for Brunson, poor Derek Brunson. This guy's won like four or five in a row. Now he's going to have to go across the pond to fight Darren Till. That fight in itself, we talked about it when it first got announced, how interesting it is stylistically. So I'm looking forward to it. Not too much of a delay from the original date, which is good for both guys. If anything, gives them a little longer to help out with that weight cut. Darren Till's a big dude. Uh, And like you said, in terms of traveling, maybe it's a one-off. I'm shocked that they're going to go all the way across the uh, world to uh, Europe, but you never know. Maybe it could be the start of something for the latter half of the year, September through December. Uh, But I definitely think the start of 22 is when we'll start seeing them very regularly. So uh, we'll see what happens, man.
0: Yeah, and also this this makes me wonder, UFC 265 still doesn't have an announced uh, location. Come on. Well, I don't (laughs) think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be Ohio. I was going to say it might be in the in the UK, right? Um, but yeah, it just makes me wonder: our fight night's going to in the fall? Are we going to potentially have a a Cleveland or Columbus or Cincinnati fight night? Yeah, I hope so.
1: I got to admit, now that these all these sports are starting to have people back, it's nice seeing people back and just seeing sports. Be normal. It, it really is nice after so long without hearing the roar of the crowd. It's, yeah, it's fun.
0: It is. And then our last fight announcement here. This is in the light heavyweight division. Number six, <laughs> Anthony Smith.
1: <sighs> he's doing it against, again.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is. He's fighting down again against number 11, Ryan Spann. This is happening on September 18th. And I, I'm going to say what I said to you when you sent me this. Um, this makes me wonder. And again, timing's everything. Yeah, maybe this is just kind of based on who was available at the time, and Anthony wanted to fight at that time, didn't care. But it kind of comes off to me like the UFC ain't quite buying Anthony Smith as a contender anymore, or even still. You know, he has a couple nice wins in a row, but you look at the way he looked against Alexander Rakich, where he got pretty much dominated. Um, before that, Glover Teixeira looked good early, but gets. Public, yeah, later in the fight. And then obviously, his one chance at gold was against potentially the greatest fighter of all time and John Jones, but one that he didn't really put up much of a fight in, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, outside of just being able to go five rounds, which is kind of a feat in itself. But and took the illegal knee. Yeah, he did take the illegal <laughs> knee. He could have been champion. That's yep. kind of a crazy thing, but he could have been. You know, yep. look at what Sterling became champion. Very true. So. Um, I like this fight. I think it's a it's a fun fight on paper. Oh, these yeah. two guys, these two guys know how to put on a good performance. Um, I would expect uh, this fight. I think could be very competitive anywhere it goes. Yeah, in the stand up department, I think you got some fun action there. And I think even in the grappling, we talk a lot about Anthony Smith, how underrated his grappling is. But I would even say Ryan Spann the has same quite a, quite a good. Pedigree of grappling as well. That kind of leads me to believe that no matter where this fight goes, it'll be competitive. But um, I, I think one guy is going to really shine here. What do you think? That is a good
1: way to put it. Um, both these guys have two of the most underrated submission skills in the whole light heavyweight division. As you mentioned, that makes it even more fun because they choose to stand and bang most of the time. They're mm-hmm. not and just get into really good, fun striking battles. But man, when it goes to the ground, and I think it's going to in this fight, I don't know how or when or where. But it's going to happen, and I can't wait to see how the uh, grappling transitions and exchanges will be. Two very large guys for light heavyweight. I'm excited for that one. Stylistically, checks all the boxes for me. I wish uh, it wasn't all the way in September, but that's all right. Good for Ryan Spann, too. He's getting the biggest fight of his career, moving up to fight a top mm-hmm. seven guy. Now he's ranked sixth And Anthony Smith. For Anthony, three in a row fighting backwards, but – the guy likes to stay active. I mean, he's lionheart for a reason, man. I, I can't hate on it.
0: As long as he keeps winning, then there's it's no very problems, true. You know?
1: looks good behind the booth and in the uh, octagon, man. He does it all.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's going to wrap it up here for our fight announcements. We do have one for the rest, and it's uh, a guy in our space, I guess you could say. <laughs> one of um, our probably own. <laughs> probably the biggest name um, on what would you call it the the biggest analyst in MMA, MMA the for biggest sure. the biggest yeah. yeah. Ariel Helwani, uh, he's been with ESPN for a while now, and uh, he announced today that he's actually going to be leaving ESPN as of what was it, June fifteenth? Uh, yeah, June fifteenth. So this is a pretty big deal. Yeah. He's leaving on his own accord. Um, he was reportedly making about half a million dollars to to work for ESPN. Pretty big. So <laughs> I don't necessarily think we are going to speculate too much on where he might go next, but. What do you think this means kind of for Ariel and then also for ESPN MMA, which, I mean, this is a pretty big hit to it, you got to think. So for
1: Ariel, man, this guy's been the biggest name in MMA journalism for years now. I mean, what is he, a 10-time MMA journalist of the year? Damn it. (laughs) Me and Noah are coming for you, Ariel. But, uh, (laughs) man, he's no matter if you love him or hate him, he's great at what he does. And the fighter interviews, the podcasting with – uh, DC, the show he has on ESPN Plus with uh Chael P. Sun and Ariel on the bad guy. Everything he does is great content for the sport of MMA. He gets the word out there, he gets fighters out there, and for that I'm always gonna respect him for, no matter how he may go about getting <laughs> the information, whatever, do it yeah. that way you will. Yeah. So for Ariel, I think he's gonna land on his feet regardless. Big things are coming. It seems he's working on something himself behind the scenes that he's got to announce in the coming days. So I'm excited to hear about what that is because I'm sure it'll be big for MMA and that's what matters the most. In terms of ESPN, him and uh, Chael P. Sonnen was like one of the OG shows when ESPN Plus started. So I'm going to hate if that show gets completely canceled. I told Noah before we started recording, do something with DC and Chael P. Sonnen, man. I I would pair them up together, two fighters. It would be fun. But uh, There's some good guys over there at ESPN, man. Mark Ramondi, or I'm not going to say his last name, Ramondi, and Brett Okamato. We love him. So they've got good talent over there, and I'm sure they're just going to keep building their roster of guys to help cover the sport.
0: Well said. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up here for today's edition of The News. The News. Let's get into some breakdowns of uh, Saturday Night's Fights, Dom, and I'm going to let (sighs) you take it away here.
1: Yeah, so we had a late-minute addition and subtraction from the main card. Let's
0: start with the subtraction.
1: Wait, before that, we have to do our prelim notables. What am I thinking? (laughs) What am I thinking? (laughs) So as you all know, or if you're new, we love to discuss one person from the prelims, one person each, that stood out to us the most, because obviously we do our in-depth breakdowns on the main card. But my prelim notable, and gosh dang it, Noah, she did it again, in her second UFC victory, hold on, I'm pulling up the name. My phone froze up on me. Oh, gosh. The French woman, Mano Federal, from France. <laughs> She's an incredible striker, and she has put on an absolute clinic in two UFC fights thus far, both coming by way of TKO. This one coming in uh, round two, three minutes in. Now, to her opponent's credit, and I want to make sure I get her name right, uh, Tabitha Rieke. It was her UFC debut. She's a natural strawweight, but took this fight on a few days' notice, and this is obviously at flyweight, 125 pounds. So the size difference was nuts. It literally looked like a flyweight versus a strawweight. It was very noticeable. But that I'm not taking away nothing from Faroe's performance either because she is lights out in terms of her striking. An absolute clinic, powerful, precise, everything perfectly timed, it's, it's all beautiful to watch, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, or anybody listening, don't be surprised if she finds herself fighting a ranked opponent sooner rather than later, because she is a freak of nature and an incredible striker built physically. She checks all the boxes, man. All I want to see now is her get tested in the grappling department.
0: High praise for this one.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
0: My prelim notable, we're going to go up to the welterweight division uh, with a veteran sorts yeah a uh at least a veteran in terms of age and that's gonna be the 36 year old muslim salikov he's now five and one in the ufc won five straight after dropping his debut he got the unanimous decision win over francisco Trinaldo, a very underrated guy uh in terms of kind of the history of ufc not a guy that's ever really um made it too big in right. the sport but a guy even at 42 years old as he was coming in here very dangerous opponent very good everywhere so uh, Salakoff took every round from him. He completely, I mean, I don't want to say he dominated the fight, but he just had a very good performance here. And yeah, uh, this was in terms of uh technical ability. This felt like probably the highest in terms of that on the card. You know, these are two guys that are just very technical fighters, very good kind of everywhere. And this fight kind of lived up to that. It was a very technical yeah. bout. Um, All skills were kind of on display, and Salikov came out on top. So he's going to get my kind of prelim notable. And I look forward to maybe seeing this win kind of propel him to even potentially a top 15 run, perhaps. I I think there are some guys kind of in that bottom half, the top 15 that need to be tested. Um, Even number 15 is Robbie Lawler, who we, I'm not saying that's a fight I want to see. Yeah. um, Because I just think that like name value is just too different there. Right, right. But. Robbie doesn't come off to me like the number 15 welterweight in the world, unfortunately. True. So I think that there's some, some spots in that bottom half that could be, you know, some of these guys can really make, make welcome Salikov in. Yeah, of course, of course. Hey, five
1: in a row, man. I mean, that's impressive mm-hmm. no matter who you're fighting against. And to I cap agree. it off with Trinaldo. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And he even had a, he even has a win over uh, a guy on the main card, Loriano Steropolis. Yeah, so, true. Um, just shows the kind of level he's been fighting at.
1: Yeah, I love it. Awesome. So that's it for the prelim notables. Yep. Now we're going into the main card. As I mentioned, there was an addition in Montana De La Rosa and Ariani Lipsky. But before we talk about that, Noah, there was a subtraction. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Tom Brees and Antonio Arroyo unfortunately got canceled last minute. Literally, as the main card was starting, came on and said there were some unknown medical reasons behind Tom Brees having to pull out of his fight with Arroyo. Uh, Bisbing had mentioned that he has went through some anxiety-related issues in the past. Uh, Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. Tom Brees, uh, one of the bigger prospects right now out of the UK, so I was really excited. I thought he was going to put on a really good performance on Saturday night, so hopefully he can bounce back, get his head in the right space if it was something anxiety-related. If it's um, a physical injury, hopefully it's nothing too serious as well. Looking forward to see Tom Brees uh, back into the octagon. Any Mm. thoughts on that before we get into the actual fight that happened?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say the same thing, so we might as well just kind of keep it rolling here. But uh, shout out, Tom Brees. Hope he, uh, you know, recovers from whatever it was that was going on. And for Antonio Arroyo, hopefully he gets a fight here pretty soon because I think that guy deserves it after stepping up on short notice here, even though he's 0-2 in the promotion. Yeah. So uh, hopefully he gets another fight.
1: Well said. So – to take their spot, what was originally supposed to be uh, the prelim headliner, ended up getting put on the main card. And for good reason, i got to say, Montana De La Rosa gets the TKO finish over Ariani Lipsky. It was four minutes and 27 seconds into round number two. And my golly, did she just look incredible, man. Montana De La Rosa, been in the UFC now for four years. And she's only 26 years old, and she's just so impressive. Her grappling, next level for this division. But she goes for the finish, man. She now has the second most finishes in the women's flyweight division with, I think, four. So, man, she put on a really good performance all the way through. Round one, dominated with the wrestling and grappling. And then in round two, absolutely beat up Lipsky on the ground. And it's funny enough, because you're going to talk about this, I'm sure, Lipsky has shown how good and bad she can be on the ground. So it's just uh, weird. But for Montana, wow, she looked amazing.
0: Yeah, I think this is a prime example of there's levels to this game. And Montana De La Rosa, I think, is someone we're going to see really climb to the top of the ranks here at Flyweight. I agree. Ariane Lipsky, I got to kind of apologize to her. I think maybe I gave her, and maybe the MMA community as a whole has put unfair expectations on her. I don't know what that reason might be. For me, it was that submission of the year over uh, Luana Carolina. I just thought that was such a slick knee bar. Um, I thought she looked great in that fight. And, you know, I just thought that she really could make some noise in the flyweight division. For other people, maybe it was because she's an attractive woman. So because she's know. called the queen of violence. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Uh, so because of coming off that fight, it's just, you know, it's just not appeared that maybe she's quite ready the level of competition she's getting and honestly the competition she's facing is people that i would think she should be competitive with you know mm-hmm. antonina shevchenko montana de la rosa these are people that i feel like she should be competitive with and in the case for antonina i think she should be competitive with her on the ground right. i mean you look at antonina antonina dominated her on the ground but you look at her other performances, and she's getting dominated on the ground by Andrea Lee of all people, and yeah, you know, it just really kind of shows that she's just not there yet. She's not there yet. I think Lipsky, if she takes some more time, maybe, you know, I don't know if she can really. It, it might be hard for her to really take like a step back. Uh-huh. I don't, or too much of a step back. But um, even if she has to go to Invicta or somewhere like that, and um, kind of build up a few more wins and come back, I think. She can be a threat in this division at some point in her career. It's just maybe too soon, yeah, too much right now.
1: Good point. Uh, now I gotta ask you, mm-hmm. for Montana de la Rosa, man, after that amazing performance, what do you think comes next for her? Because <laughs> I personally think it's time to fight a ranked fighter.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, who do you have in mind?
1: The aforementioned number 15-ranked Antonina Shevchenko. I think it's a perfect test for both ladies. We've seen Antonina get dominated on the ground and look good on the ground, strangely Mm -hmm. enough. But for Montana, amazing grappler, as we mentioned, a great wrestler, can put it all on you, finishes fights via submission. This was her first-ever career TKO finish, so it shows how much she's still evolving on the ground. And not to mention, she's starting to look even better on the feet, long and rangy, just like Antonina is. I think that fight stylistically would be great and a good welcome for De La Rosa to get into that top 15.
0: Yeah, I like that so much I can't even come up with a a different fight there, honestly. I agree agree that she's ready for top 15. I didn't come into this ready to kind of give her a name. But I think, you know, after talking about it and kind of recognizing what she's done so far – I agree with you. I think she is ready for it. and Antonina needs to kind of prove that she is, she can hold on to that spot, and now I think that's a great fight.
1: And I liked what you said because I really do agree with you. I think sh- we may see Montana rise through these ranks. Being only 26 and putting on performances like this already, uh, she's going to have a lot of big wins in her future. I agree. So on to the next fight of the evening, Noah, our boy Dusko Todorovic is how they say his name. I finally learned how to say it properly. Uh, Made his third appearance on our podcast and in the UFC against Gregory Rodriguez. They had a great three-round back-and-forth slugfest on the feet. Gregory uh, ends up getting the decision victory over Dusko. And really, this fight kind of went how I expected, other than the fact that I picked Dusko to win via first-round KO. But, you know, it's hit or miss with that. This
0: fight (laughs) went exactly how you predicted, except – not at it went, all. He it.
1: Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of just the striking, Dusko is great and technical in terms of his offense, but boy, oh, boy, does he like to get hit a lot too. And that is just a problem. And that's two fights in a row now. Now, granted, he did eat some hard shots in this one from Gregory. Uh, Gregory, in his own right, took some shots from Dusko. It was a really good back and forth stand up battle. But in the end, Rodriguez got the nod. And I agree, I scored it two to one. I scored the third round for uh, Todorovic. I thought he started looking better as the fight went on, but it was too little, too late in this one.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, I we've been pretty big on Dusko, considering we have gotten the kind of watch. We him love grow. this
1: kid. <laughs> you know,
0: his, his follow his his first performance was really solid. Yeah, he comes into a second fight of it, but against Puna Hele Soriano, who is a beast. Yeah, it was <laughs> crazy guy. while it
1: lasted.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and Puna is just. That guy's power is incredible. Oh, And is. this is this is kind of the story of this fight. And what I think is going to be the biggest kind of story moving forward for Dusko, he can't quite take what he dishes out. Yeah. So when he gets in these firefights where it's tit for tat and they're going one-two to one-two.
1: He's going to take gonna, more. He,
0: You know, it's kind of like that Cody Carbrandt thing where it's like you can't quite take what you give out, so you're going to lose if you find yourself on these, like, firefights where they're just – Swinging, trading back and forth, you know his chin can't quite hold up against what a lot of these guys can take. Yeah, you know, Puna Hale showed that. Gregory showed that here, and I think that's just really the biggest takeaway. You know, shout out to Gregory. I know that Rodriguez he he he's not his striking's always been a little bit more telegraphed than Dusko. You know, not quite as clean, mm-hmm. not quite as uh, technical. But he showed a lot of improvement in this fight, I thought. I thought it was a really good performance for him, a good step in the right direction. And a guy that stepped up on late notice here, too, gets to Yeah, win. true,
1: true, very so, uh, true. good for him. Yeah, this was a good fight again, all three rounds of striking, back-and-forth battle. But shout-out Gregory Rodriguez gets a huge win in the UFC here and on to bigger and better things after this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh... the people's main event I called I called it on Friday anyone any hardcore fan out there knew they knew this was going to be the fight and did it deliver or did it deliver Santiago Uh, Ponzinibbio Miguel Baeza buddy fight of the night fight of the month fight of the year come on
0: definitely fight of the night (laughs) might be fight of the year right now Uh, we we won't spoil that you're gonna have to tune in to the end of the the year Joey's to find that out but no, these guys went back oh, and forth for three rounds. It was a war. And you know what? In a lot of ways, I thought it had the potential to be that. For me, the question was always, can Ponzinibbio hold up today? Can the t- of today withstand the punishment that Baeza can dish out? I knew Baeza could take a hell of a shot. He showed in the Matt Brown fight he likes to get hit. He'll yep. get wobbled, but he'll just keep moving forward, man. He'll keep bringing that pressure. And the same thing happened here. He was getting wobbled a lot. He lost the fight because of how much you know punishment he kind of took. But it was a hell of a fight. Oh, Neither th- guy lost his fight. Both guys come out looking like winners. I noticed for Baeza he was disappointed. Uh, this is the first loss of his professional career. A lot of guys say kind of getting that first loss off your back is sometimes a helpful True. thing. man. Um, he does it here against a very credible opponent in I don't want to say it was too much too soon. I do think that Baeza is ready to fight kind of the top 15 level fighters. But I just think he's going to have to work on some of that uh, striking defense.
1: Yeah, because the yeah. offense is there. That's for damn yeah. sure.
0: In a lot of ways, you know, I I see a lot in Baeza that I saw in Vicente Luque when he was on Ooh, his Oh, yeah. Very a guy little. who's so good on the feet, puts on these hellacious performances but takes damage, takes a lot of damage. And you look at Vicente is knocking on the door, a title shot now. So yeah, um, it's, he's made it work. I think Baez is just going to have the same kind of path. Just continue
1: developing. He's still so young, man. And for Ponzinibbio, wasn't it just great to see him come back in Really? He was getting pretty beat up in that first Mm -hmm. round, but he would always come on late, late in the first round, came on strong. The second half of the second round came on strong. Round three was really all Ponzinibbio. Man, and it was so good to see him back. Not necessarily in that prime Ponsonibbio form that we once saw, but he's, hey, from that Lee Jing Liang fight, definitely taking a step in the right direction. And uh, I talked about this a little on Friday, just in case you want to chime in. I'm not huge on the whole ring rust thing. I'm kind of hit or miss on it. But that fight with Jing Liang really didn't look like the same Santiago. This one, starting to put it back together, had his confidence weathered some early storms. His leg was brutally battered by those calf kicks. Yeah, he was on
0: one leg for most yeah. of the fight.
1: and just kept coming. Look, Chris, very powerful, and Baeza could just eat the shots. He looked good, man. It was great seeing the Argentine Hammer, or whatever his new nickname is, back in, in the win column, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a feel-good story for Nivio, considering he looked unbeatable back when he was headlining with Neil Magny. Unfortunately, injuries – Maybe, yeah. even, maybe even maybe an illness or two. Yeah. Um, it's just really kind of ruined his his what was his physical prime. His prime years. Yeah. So um, no, he did not look like the same positive here. Um, I definitely think this yes, he he looked better in this fight than he did against Li Jing Liang, but in a lot of ways I don't that's, I don't want to speak too much on this because I want to stay positive on this. these guys for this fight because they both earned it but you know Positivio still looks slower he still looks older he doesn't look like the same guy and those are the same things I saw in the Jingliang fight it just so happened that the matchup was a little better for him here maybe Um, but I will say Jingliang was able to kind of drop him with the one shot and it wasn't necessarily the biggest power shot in the world Baeza here throwing a lot of hammers None of them quite able to finish off Ponzinibbio, so in that way, I think maybe his chin held up a lot better here. But uh, overall, as far as the skill set, I'm not, like I'm not gonna try to match make top fifteen for Ponzinibbio here. Not um, yet. No, I just I think that uh, you know I I enjoy what he's doing right now, but uh, unfortunately, he's he's still he's just not the same guy anymore.
1: The only, and I just want to throw one name out because I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. The only one that would make sense in terms of if he does get a top 15 next, what if he did fight your guy and Robbie Lawler? Number 14, That's- a slugfest of a fight. That could be an incredible stylistic one. I just don't know really where Robbie's at in his career. Is he done? Is he not done? But, man, that'd be a good fight to go out on if, it, if he wanted one more and for Ponzinibbio to crack back in, get a big name. It'll be a fun fight, but yeah, like you said, I'm not surprised. Maybe if he doesn't get another one, maybe they feed him one more guy before giving him a rank fighter.
0: Yeah, I definitely think if he is to fight someone in the top fifteen, Robbie Lawler would be the, the guy. Type of guy that, yeah. that would be an awesome fight. That was a fight that was talked about when Ponzinibbio was in his prime, and Robbie was Robbie still, was champ.
1: Still, yeah. the,
0: no, 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 not when he was champ. I'm talking after he lost the belt. Oh, okay, back when Ponzinibbio kind of before we knew how bad. The injuries were during that yeah. time after the Neil Magny fight. You know, Robbie was still very competitive at gotcha. that time, um, and there was a lot of talks of that fight never obviously happened. It'd be interesting to see it happen now. I think it might be a fight where it should deliver, but who knows? Kind of right. what these guys are. Um, and honestly, Robbie Lawler to me is not a top fifteen welterweight right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So Ponzinibbio would be technically fighting top fifteen, but like, I don't know. I'm. I'd still this is an amazing fight. Props to both guys. They deserve all the 50k bonuses in the world. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and yeah, hopefully for Baiza, go back to the lab. You know, continue work on to
1: this, grow, develop, man. This kid, you know, oh, I just work, think work he has on such a high ceiling.
0: Work on that striking defense, and then for Ponza just keep looking. You know, Cleaning there's, there's no reason. Okay, even though his skill set is diminished a little bit. There's no reason that he can't still find w- routes to victory, that he can't oh, yeah. put together an elite enough skill set, maybe even develop on some things that he otherwise had kind of dismissed, and he can make a run. He really yeah. can. But based off what I've seen in these first two fights, I'm not ready to say that not he's yet. back. And, like, he's back in, was the positive of old. Not ready to say that yet. Fair enough. On to the next one, Noah.
1: We got... Roman Deledze gets the decision victory over Loriano Staropoli and uh, Star Star I don't know Staropoly. whatever. Um, <laughs> shout out Charles Oliveira by the way was in Loriano's corner. Just a quick little shout out to the new lightweight champ. But this was all Roman Deledze, and what was a pretty lackluster fight, if I'm being honest.
0: Put the Z's in the chat. Um, yeah. This- They probably should have just played the previous fight over again.
1: I saw people tweeting about that, actually. You Uh, know, I mean, the lead good. Don't get me wrong. It was his first fight at 185 coming down from light heavyweight. He's 3-1 and in the UFC now. He has some talent. It was just bleh. I don't know. He was the superior fighter in there, but didn't really look to capitalize on any openings, even though he just held uh, the time control, the ocular control the whole time, really never capitalized on anything. It was kind of odd.
0: Uh, De- Yeah, I, I, all jokes aside, you can't. In our position, we can't be dismissing just because the fight wasn't exciting. A completely dominated this fight. Oh yeah. Um, I think if you want to criticize his performance, you would just say that he didn't. He didn't have any sense of urgency to really look for a finish or anything. I think he could have at times. Yeah. And he just seemed very content with kind of riding it out, playing it a little safe, you know. Uh, Steropoli, this is a guy who had beat Tiago Alves before. Um, so he obviously had it quite, you know, he had a bit of a resume coming in here. And Dalize does get a big win. Um, so I can't really dismiss it. Um, uh, can't be upset about it. Uh, on to the next one for him. This isn't going to get him to a top 15, though. For that no,
1: percent. not after a performance like that. I will say, physically, he looked good at 185. Uh, Coming down from 205, he's a big dude, so he's still going to be big at 185. Curious to see how he'll continue to perform uh, at that weight class. Yeah, yeah. I forgot
0: to mention, um, because I was not here, obviously, for Friday's episode. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Dalidze was coming down from 205 for his debut at 185. This was Steropoli's. I don't know if it was his debut or re-debut at 185 after spending most of his career at 170. So that's going to show the size difference here. Yeah. You um, had a natural a guy who had kind of fought at 205 a lot versus a guy at 170 a lot, meeting in the middle. Um, so if lead is for real, I want to see him fight a guy more natural to this weight class. True middleweight. Yeah, someone who's more of his caliber and size and whatnot. Um, and see if he can he bully him like he kind of did Steropoli here. Fair play.
1: On to the big boys, Noah. First off, we start with the co-main event. Marcin Tibira extends his win streak to five in a row. He's was ranked 11 coming into this one. TKO's number eight ranked Walt Harris after facing some early, early uh, troubles. Had, Walt had him hurt very badly. Walt went in for the kill. To Tiberiu's credit, he somehow survived, completely flipped the switch, got Walt down, took advantage of it, grounded, pounded him out to a TKO finish. And now Tibura on the biggest win streak of his career, riding a hot wave. Walt Harris, complete opposite, now on a three-fight skid, all via TKO, Give me your
0: thoughts on this one. Um, Tibera does it again. This is what he always does. <laughs> yeah, he gets hurt. If if you can't put the guy out in the first few minutes of the fight, you I may would say be in first, trouble. I would I would say I, if I was here Friday, I would have said first round. Yeah, but even in this case, it, it didn't take him till then. The end of the round, he finishes the fight. So yeah. um, it shows if you don't take this guy out within the first couple minutes. Yeah, you've got too many. He can make it a really <laughs> tough night for you. Yeah, And for Walt Harris, that was the case here. Walt Harris, not known for his uh, gas tank, and um, he kind of went for the finish quickly on Tibera, Wasn't able to get it, and Tibera just able to capitalize on that. And um, You know, this is a sad, this is a somber one. I like Tybura a lot. I like what the guy's been doing. He was a low-key pick for Fighter of the Year in 2020. Guy had a big comeback, and comeback Fighter of the Year especially. Yeah. Um, but sucks for Wal Harris, Wall Harris, considering yeah. his story and what he's been through over the past few years, uh, for him to come on three straight losses now, um, it's definitely it, – it sucks. But this guy is fighting the top fighters in the world. I mean, this, again, I, I try – as we've been – now that we've been doing this podcast a while, we have start to see these guys come up with these big losing streaks. You know, this mm-hmm. Cowboy Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, now you got Wal Harris – um, we were talking about Kelvin Gastelum earlier. Yeah. Um, and you know what I'm going to, and I, I saw an interview with Dana White where he was talking about Cowboy Cerrone, but in general, he said, uh, it's not about how many, you know, he was like, you know, Cowboy Cerrone's fighting the best guys in the world. Right. He said, what's more important to me is how is he losing these fights
1: Yeah. rather than,
0: um, you know, how many losses he has. And that's probably why you saw a guy like B.J. Penn get so many opportunities. Um, in this case, though, Walt Harris is just not looking great. Yeah. He still has the power, and that showed. But whenever someone is able to kind of get a fight to the ground with him, it's like it's just over.
1: Well, and he'll kind of empty his gas tank early going for yeah, that finish. Exactly. We saw it with Overeem. was the same way. Had him hurt bad and almost finished him. Completely gasses and then gets beat. I don't want to say he completely gassed in this one. Tibera really just flipped a switch, but you could tell like that urgency that was there early wasn't there when he was getting finished.
0: Yeah. It's just unfortunate. You know, you want to root for the guy. I'm happy to see that he does, is working for the UFC, and yeah. kind of uh, using his voice. Uh, what would you say? That he's doing some analysis for them. Yeah. Inside the, the octagon and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, good for him. Um, when it comes to matchmaking, though. And we're talking about kind of who's next for these guys. I'm gonna start with the winner, Tyber. Yeah. Number eleven coming in here. Gets a win over number eight. So he's gonna he's gonna jump up quite a bit here. You know, I think uh based off the guys that are available. It's a tough one. He's in an awkward spot. Yeah. I'm looking at this the right way. He's in a pretty awkward spot because oh, you
1: would love to say Sakai if he hadn't been knocked out by the guy, you know.
0: Yes, and I would also like to say uh, Rosenstreich. But Rosenstreich, I think, has a different guy in mind. A very especially. clear one
1: for him, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think I am going to go with Gusto Sakai.
1: Do a rematch? Or... What um, about, what about like, uh, the loser of Gane Volkov? What about that?
0: No, I think I got it.
1: All right, hit me. It.
0: hit me. Hit me. Um, going to be a weird one because he's uh, jumping up to number eight. I love it. I'm going with number thirteen, Tom Aspinall. Oh, Test oh, Aspinall baby. now. Test I love it. Now. I love it. And that's, I'm not upset about. That's just, it's all about timing. Yeah. Tibera's just in an awkward spot. Uh, you know, he's he's on a run right now, but Aspinall is a dangerous man, and I'd be interested to see if how that he how would Aspinall look if that fight got to the ground?
1: we know mm-hmm. how good
0: Tibera can be. But Aspinall even showed against Arlovsky some submission capabilities. So, yeah, real slick. Um, yeah, so it should be interesting.
1: Uh, you know how I feel about Tom Aspinall. I'm all for that. I'll go ahead and just give that other alternative. Maybe go the loser of Gane Volkov. It would give mm-hmm. him a, a bigger jump, I guess, in terms of name value for a guy that's been in the UFC for so long. You can't go wrong with either one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And then for Walt Harris, this is the harder one in my opinion. Yeah. Because I kind of – You know, I don't know. I I, who am I to say to like the guy shouldn't fight anymore, or like say oh he needs to take time off and get his head right and stuff like that. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what's going through the guy's head. I don't know how he compares now mentally to he did before all this tragedy kind of came up. Right. But right now, I don't see him. I don't see him as like a. You know, I, I don't. I don't really see. Than fighting top 15 guys right now. What if he fought your boy
1: Orlovsky? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, would you
1: like something like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's about as good as you're going to be able to get. Yeah. You know, it's just
1: something kind of fun, fan friendly, two guys in the downward slope of their career, I guess. I don't know. You don't want to like feed him to any more of these wolves or young studs like Tom Aspinall. He's just in a weird spot.
0: I do love it. I do like the Arlovsky fight. I do. It would be cool. That's a legend of the game, another former champion. So even if Walt Harris wins that, it's still a good win. Yeah. Um, and Come on, man.
1: Hey, if it's War Arlovsky pinball. all day for you. So it's yeah. War
0: Arlovsky, man. But uh, <laughs> it'd be hard to root against Walt Harris. <laughs> right, right. Main event time.
1: Main event time. Noah, the other big boys on the card, literally, big Boy. boy. He came to play. Number six ranked Jarzinho Rosenstrike gets it done. A TKO finish at the buzzer. Four minutes and 59 seconds into the first round yeah, over number nine,
0: Augusto that's, Sakai. That's what I'm going to say here. If you're a heavyweight fighter and you're fighting Jarzinho Rosenstreich and you see the clackers come out for the last 10 seconds. Run. Run. <laughs> run. Run. Run as fast as you can in the opposite direction. Obviously, I'm referring to his fight with uh, Overeem Yeah. Where he literally in the Last 10 seconds of round number five
1: made his lip explode.
0: Yeah, made his <laughs> turned his lip into a zipper. Yeah. And then here he does the same thing to Sakai. And what's crazy is the shots weren't crazy. Um it didn't look like he was loading up on him. Mm-hmm. But you could tell how much natural power the guy has because literally he drops him with the one and then follows up with a little shot on the ground and just yeah. puts him out. Like oh, he was yeah. out. And I saw some people complaining about the finish on no, no. I'm like, you guys need to watch that replay. I mean, he was out. <laughs> he was getting his head bounced, man. Yeah, He but wouldn't uh, have been able
1: to get up and continue into a second round anyway.
0: A fantastic bounce back for Rosenstroke here. This is what he needed. He let the hands go. He needed to let the – and, you know, there was a lot of concern about that. Yep. You know, I, me and you would have predicted Rosenstrike to win this fight. but my And, and we thought he should win this. But the concern was, is he gonna let him go? Because that Ghana fight was very weird for him. Yeah. You know, just not something we've really seen from him before. And he didn't know, like, okay, is this is is he you know not right after the engane fight or what's going on. But here he looks really good, really crisp. Rosenstroik is a guy who kind of gets grouped in with like an Ngannou and Derek Lewis is like just a the just the heavy hands and the power. Um, but Rosenstroke actually is quite a technical He played uh, a
1: very patient game. He's but a, not very, too patient. a
0: very technical striker. Yep. Uh, so he's very dangerous in this division, probably more so than people think. Yeah, because I agree. Because his biggest moment was losing to Nganu in 20 seconds. And he was losing the majority of the overing fight before kind of finishing it at the end. But, you know, those are two, obviously, Nganu to power. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But, over him was a very technical striker as well. So Rosenstroy can be very dangerous for a lot of these top heavyweights. I think more than maybe a lot of people think. Even at one time that I maybe thought. I'm just yeah. kind of I'm changing my tune a little bit about Rosenstroke I think.
1: He's kind of a guy that's well with this one, kind of proved a lot of people wrong. Like, hey, that Ghana fight. Yeah, I didn't let the hands go. I kind of I talked about it on Friday, and we can get your thoughts since you weren't here. I kind of thought it was just more so the respect he had for Gane's kind of elite level striking that he has. And he was just afraid to pull that trigger, afraid to get clipped maybe by Gane. I don't really know what it was. It was just an off night. But this looked like the strike we were used to. Honestly, maybe even better because he was so patient, controlled with the octagon, really never got touched by Sakai. It was all strike in that first round. And then shows the power, just grazes him right on the temple, puts him to sleep, man. He looked great. This was a great performance for him. A great bounce back win in another main event slot.
0: Yeah, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> but for a guest of Sakai, I'm going to say yeah. the opposite. This is yeah. another performance that is showing me that he is more of a pretender than a contender in this heavyweight mm-hmm. division. And you know, and that's no disrespect. This is a guy who has some. Very high-level experience outside the UFC. He had a a splash in Bellator for a while. So he came in here with a resume more than most who start their UFC career. But in the UFC, it's just not really – his biggest win is probably that sub-one-minute knockout of Marcin Tybura. Yeah. It was a huge win for him, especially now. Look at what he's doing. Yeah, You look at the, the the win over Arlovsky that I thought he didn't actually win. Um, you look at the overing fight where he got pretty much pummeled for the majority. He had his
1: weaknesses exposed in that one, yeah.
0: Yeah, and now his weaknesses were a lot on the ground when he's on his back. But then here, he got outstruck by Rosenstreich. So, you know, he, looked, he was a, the much slower guy here, the much less powerful guy. So I'm kind of having a hard time seeing, you know, seeing the shining. You know, what's the silver lining here for him? I don't really see it right now. I think he's just going to have a hard time. Competing with the top guys at heavyweight, even though this is a division that is maybe thinner than most, you know, when you have a guy in this division who might be really explosive, very powerful, very fast, Sakai's just going to have a hard time with them. He doesn't have the skills necessary to back that up. Right. That's a good way to put it. He gives up in a lot of these other aspects. He's just not able to really suffice, like, he doesn't really have a counter. Counter. Uh, his his weaknesses
1: outweigh his strengths.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to shit on the guy that much. I just I'm just saying that I think when it comes to the top of the heap at heavyweight, his skill set doesn't quite match up well.
1: No, not with any of them. I wouldn't no, think
0: because they're all so explosive, so powerful. Some of them very fast. Stepe being one of them. Yeah. And he's a slow, plodding, powerful, but not as powerful. Doesn't quite have the chin that a lot of these guys have. It's like he's just a – he's like a a lower version of these guys.
1: Yeah, and one of – really, I think one of his better strengths in terms of being a heavyweight is kind of the way he can get into the clinch and utilize kind of the Muay Thai striking. But can he close the distance with guys like this? Because that's kind of was the question I posed going into this one. Could he close the distance against Rosenstrike, kind of get into the dirty boxing range? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do that. So, I don't know, back to the drawing board for Sakai. I don't doubt that he could make a little bit of noise, but inevitably in terms of the elite, it, it's going to be a tough little test for him if he ever wants to get up there with those guys.
0: Mm-hmm. As far as what, who's next? Yeah. Rosenstrike's the easy one. It's clear. Number four, Der- Curtis Blades. <laughs> Number four, Curtis Blades has to cool. be. That's yeah, the fight. That's, that's definitely the fight there. Um, I think that's a really good matchup for both guys. A good uh, it allows, test for both. Allows Blades to kind of right that wrong with, you know, he got knocked out in highlight, real fashion, at Derek Lewis. So here, you know, he goes up against another power striker and has to try to find a way to get that fight to the ground. Or as he showed it in the Derek Lewis fight, maybe he's going to want to strike with um, Rosenstroke. Who knows? It could be an interesting fight, though. Yeah,
1: that's but a great fight
0: for Augusto Sakai. Again, these these bottom half of the heavyweight rankings is a little iffy right now because yeah. um, you know you got number eleven Blagoy Ivanov, who he's already beat, and then I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't really know here.
1: I was gonna go Sergey Pavlovich.
0: Yeah, that's like the only only name, really.
1: A step back, a fresh fresh matchup. He's still ranked top 15 at number 14. He's currently on a two-fight win streak. He's been looking good recently. I think it's a good test for both guys. For Sakai, maybe, again, there's no easy fights in the UFC, but one that he could maybe get his feet wet into that back half, kind of regroup. He had a long layoff between his last fight and this one. Does he have another long layoff? I don't know. But I think that would be at least one that makes a little bit of sense for him and for Sergey. Obviously, you always want to fight up when you're a young up and comer, so a fight he wouldn't steer away from. Well,
0: Pavlovich, we ain't seen him since October 2019, so yeah, um, it's coming up on two years. So where is he still on the rankings? Is he on a milk carton somewhere? Where is this guy? <laughs> right. But uh, I think that's gonna wrap up our results and recap for today's UFC Vegas 28. Let us know your thoughts on these fights and. Uh, maybe even some predictions for next Saturday's pay-per-view. Ooh, it's a gonna big kinda, one. It's going to lead me into kind of the rest of the week. No Ooh. Wednesday episode. We gave you guys three in a row. We're taking a break.
1: Yeah, jeez.
0: <laughs> yeah, geez. What do you want? You want us to give you every day of the week? Like, come on. Yeah, what do you want? Seven episodes? Come on. <laughs> but Friday will be the preview for UFC 263, headlined by two title fights, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. And my main event, the oh, mo- yeah. long-awaited rematch between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, along with a five-round feature bout between, feature <sighs> between Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards. Um, awesome fight. Also got, like, Damian Maya on the card fighting. Um,
1: Blah Muhammad, Muhammad, Paul Craig,
0: Jamal Hill. Yep, that fight, uh, that's an interesting fight. There's a number one
1: contender fight on the prelims, Lauren Murphy, yeah. JoJo Calderwood. Hey, top to bottom, this card is stacked.
0: Yeah, so be on the lookout for that one. We're going to have a lot of fun going over that card. Might even include some prelims in our preview because I think those prelims are huge. Drew Dober, Brad Rydell.
1: Yeah, great Um, fights.
0: So until then, though, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: Find me on Twitter, on Instagram. If you're watching, you can see it. If you're listening, I'm going to tell you anyway, at DCLE14, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. Nice.
0: And as for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at NT Baker underscore. If you go there, go to my bio, there's a link there to the link tree. It gives you all the links to the platforms that the podcast is on along with our below average Joe's social media platforms on there as well. So i be sure to check that out again. That's at NT Baker underscore, but with that, we're out. We'll see you guys on Friday.